Mornings with the Wash Boys. Now, from high atop the Camelback Towers in Scottsdale, from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, George Odin, partner of Arden Advisory Group, and Jonathan Kierman, Executive Vice President of Superstar Car Wash, talk all things car wash and more. Now, your hosts for Car Wash Confessions with the Wash Boys, Jonathan and George. All right, welcome to a New Year's edition of Car Wash Confessions with the Wash Boys. I'm Jonathan Kierman with Superstar Car Wash, alongside George Oden with Arden Advisory Group. George, Happy New Year. Jonathan, Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Just all right? I'm all right. Well, I had to go back to work, and I don't really like what I do that much, Jonathan, <laughs> so it's hard. Oh, my gosh. I'm here. I do have a question for you. How is the beef Wellington? For Thanksgiving? Yeah. I don't know that we've even ever like circled wow. back the on that. The beef Wellington was great, although, as Paul Hollywood would say, it had a bit of a soggy bottom. Yeah. So I got I to gotta work on that next oh, year. Oh, I'm sorry. But Christmas... That, I made homemade pizza. Oh, oh, did you get an uni? I got an uni for I Christmas. I have an uni. They are awesome. And we made pizzas for that, for uh, for Christmas dinner, which was a blast. That is fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, we do something different every year for Christmas dinner. We did shrimp scampi this year. It was nice. It was good. So I think it, technically you don't have to say shrimp. You just say scampi. I think scampi implies shrimp. Really? For those in the in the uh, Epicurean know. Oh, okay. I learned so, something today. There it is. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Welcome Matt Services, for sponsoring uh, our podcast. Let's jump into our confessions, George. Uh, I mean, we missed you the last time. It was just me. I was just commenting that we should have had a cardboard, George. But <laughs> what do you have to confess for our audience today? I have a lot. Okay. Um, but we're just going to stick with one. Okay. So I am, you know, a fairly mediocre golfer. and um, That's not true. But I went okay. out the other day and had a really good round. Okay. I shot, I, it was a 75. Okay. Which is, you know, for me is, is, you know, not normal. I have a big tournament coming up in a couple of weeks, and that 75 is really messing with my handicap. I can imagine. Yeah. So I, um, I actually hovered. Before I pushed the enter button, as though maybe I might just forget to enter that score. Right. But you know what? I was I was overcome with guilt. Okay. And golf being a, a game of honor, yeah. I did the right thing. So it's the confession is not that I did the wrong thing. Ultimately, the confession is that I really had to give it a lot of thought. Yeah. Okay. Well, I what do you normally shoot? I should know the answer to this. Oh, but. I mid to high 80s okay. i mean this was so this was a round this was nuts this was a good round yeah that was a great round it should be it should be eliminated for my handicap anyway just because it's so unusual I, we uh, this is a topic for another time but don't they take like the aggregate uh, to get your your handicap so the they last take eight number? of the their best eight of the last 20 rounds best eight okay so it's going in there it's going in there yeah, and it's, it's going to be there for the next 20 rounds oh my gosh i know it's not good well i'm glad you did the right thing that's Thanks. good so I, I I went to Europe on a trip with my wife um, in early December. We did a really cool um, Christmas market on the uh, cruise on the Rhine. We were in Germany for like three days and um, different stops. And in one of I, I wanted to have a beer in a German pub. 
that was that my shouldn't be hard. It should not be hard. <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to do that. So we were in Cologne. It was a Saturday, um, and Cologne's got like a million people, and Christmas markets everywhere. You couldn't walk in the middle of the streets, and it was pouring rain. I mean, like pouring, pouring, pouring rain. So we find this bar, and it reminded me of like when I lived in New York City with these bars that are like small, tiny. There's the bar, and maybe the size of this table to to walk. And we walk in, and my glasses are all fogged up, and um, you like you couldn't tell. In Did you pay of, to go on this cruise? Because it doesn't sound I, good so far. I did. No, no, the cruise was fabulous, all right, all right. but this was just the situation in Cologne. But we go into this in this pub, and you you walk in, and it's jam packed with people, and there's just a group of um, guys and girls that are standing there, very very pretty blonde girls. Um, as we walk in, and they were doing shots of this like green liquor. And so we walk in and they see us and everybody's like smiling and talking, but you couldn't tell like who was in the same. That'll I don't, that's another, I'll tell you what I asked the bartender what it was. And I said, what is that green stuff? And he goes, it's from the forest. And I said, it's from the forest. He's like, yeah, it's from the forest. Well, just bring two shots. (laughs) So I ended up drinking a shot of that, but we go in and this group that's standing right by the entrance is drinking these shots. And this girl takes a shot and she goes to reach out in the direction of where I was. And we had made eye contact. So I thought she was being friendly and offering me a shot um, of whatever it was they were drinking. Turns out it was for the guy that was directly behind me. They all saw that I made that gesture that I thought it was me, plus they knew I was American. And then they burst out Lynn laughing, <laughs> laughing at me and said a whole bunch of stuff in German, which I don't know a word in, in German at all. So it was quite an embarrassing moment for me. And then we were sitting like two chairs away from them. They kept looking over and pointing and <laughs> saying stuff in German. So that's the last time that, I, uh, that I'll that i ever make that mistake. So that was my confession Oh, no, no, today. it may not be the last no, time. No, it probably won't be the but last that's time. But that's a great one. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was good. It was a fun trip. Well, listen, 2023 was an interesting year. You know, we spent some time talking about it at various um, times over our, our podcast you know, I guess my question is, is from where you thought 2023 was going to be uh, at the beginning of the year when we first started to where it ended, you know, did it materialize out the way you thought it was going to be? Was it better? Was it worse? And I'm talking about like activity in the car wash industry itself. So pretty much exactly where I would have put it. Um, if anything, maybe marginally better than I would have expected, but, but not really. And, you know, it's funny, you talk, to, you talk to my competitors, you talk to people in the industry, they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're busy, we're doing a lot. They weren't. They were utterly lying. And I don't understand why. I don't understand what the benefit of that is. But if you had asked me, I would have told you that we were doing nothing. Well, and you that, did. Um, you told me that on I multiple was, occasions. I was um, continuing to pay payroll, even though there was no money coming in to, um, to help me do that. Right. So it was a it was a brutal year, but it's funny because I've been doing this now for you know roughly thirty years, and you know two thousand one, two thousand eight. You know there there are years you know are going to be a disaster, and if you're smart about it, what you do is you you position yourself to be successful when things loosen up again. You don't worry so much about the fact that you're not going to do anything that year. 
you try to you try to make sure that you have backlog that when things you know when in this case when interest rates recover and the M and A world starts to open up again, you're positioned to to take advantage of that. And uh, I think we did it. We we've done a pretty good job of that. Uh, it's still slow. Interest rates are still high. But you know, remember earlier in the year we talked about the the overlap of buyer expectations and seller. That's was my that was actually going to be my question. And and that's where transactions get done when the the two you know the bubbles overlap in the Venn diagram. Right. And um, they're starting to overlap. And they're starting to overlap because buyers are willing to pay a little bit more, but sellers are actually starting to be willing to take materially less. Um, and as we probably could have and probably did predict, um, you know, that is coming to pass. So what you're seeing are, are lower multiples. You're seeing enhanced activity, but at some point, the people who wanted to sell two years ago and missed the boat, um, they're still going to want to sell, and they're going to look out through 2024 and potentially 2025 and see that it's still not the best time in the world to be thinking about bringing a business to market. So what the heck? Right. Um, and we're, we're seeing that, and we're seeing more incoming calls. Um, we're seeing more people interested in, in selling but most importantly, we're seeing more people interested in selling at what I would consider realistic expectations of value. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's going to be what allows us to have an okay year this year. This is, believe me, this is not 2021. Um, you know, that was every Venn diagram in the world overlapped. Right. Um, there wasn't one that didn't. And, you know, that's not going to be the case still. Um, but it, we're, we're getting there. So have you had any conversations with your buddy at the fed and any (laughs) any inside information for us? Well, yes, but I'm using that to enrich myself. So (laughs) I I wouldn't want to share it. That was a joke for anybody that, you know, in in law enforcement that's listening. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I probably, well, no, you know, I think about it. I probably still would do this even if I were you know, wealthy enough to trade on that sort of inside information, which I'm, (laughs) which I'm not, he he is correct. So, um, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen with the interest rates? Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting time. We just saw the 10 year go back over 4%. Um, I do think interest rates are going to, to level out, um, potentially go down as the year goes on. I, I think that's what's I don't think there's any secret there. That's what the Fed has said. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that will be the case. You know, again, going back to um, us collectively being prescient when we do these conversations, I think that I thought then and still believe that all it was going to take was a, a leveling of interest rates, not necessarily a dropping of interest rates, just to give people comfort that they're they're walking into a situation that isn't going to get materially worse, uh, and and I think we're seeing that, and I think there's confidence that yeah. interest rates at least are going to be steady, if not you know all all the better 
actually work themselves down a little bit as the as the year progresses. Yeah, as like I mentioned before we um, started filming, there was an article, I think it was yesterday, the day before in the Wall Street Journal, which basically said exactly what you just did. And that is that there there will be that kind of leveling off in the confidence level. So you should see some more M&A activity, especially to- more towards the back of 2024. It is interesting, though. I and and I I imagine the people who wrote that article are very intelligent and have lots of reasons for saying so. But Boy, if I had a dollar for every time somebody wrote an article and say next year is going to be great, yeah. um, coming off a bad year, you know, I'd have 10 bucks. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's uh, I, I happen to agree with that. But I also I, I maintain a healthy skepticism yeah, yeah. and I, I continue to. I would to, expect nothing less. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe it's an unhealthy skepticism, <laughs> actually, to be fair. Um, but I do continue to think that it's it's the right thing to do to position yourself for success going forward. The one thing that that didn't happen last year, a lot of people were keeping their powder dry, taking their money out of the equity markets um, and, and a lot in cash because 2008 provided dramatic opportunities to enrich yourself. Um, you know, assets were dramatically undervalued compared to where they had been valued you know, previously. And I think there was a lot of that attitude, like we missed 2008, but I'm not going to miss this time. Um, and oh, interesting. they kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and you never saw it. You never saw the commercial real estate market, as an example, take that plunge, or even that residential market take that plunge that every reason to believe it should have. Um, with interest rates going up, with there being such a you know a, a dearth of of supply, and so the that's really what I think caused the you know caused it to not happen. Yeah. I mean, and as and as a result of that, I think there are a lot of people with a lot of dry powder still who are going to be looking to deploy that capital. Um, as they begin to come to grips with the fact that those, you know, 20 cent on the dollar opportunities that we saw in 2008 through 2010 simply aren't going to come to fruition, particularly if interest rates start to go down. Sure. So, you know, with, with not getting political, but we are in an <clears throat> in a election year. Oh, let's. There's no so, reason not to. Uh, <laughs> um, but. You know, my question is, is given the the current state, what impact have you seen over the course of your career in an election year? Does it help? Does it hurt in terms of, you know, people's perspective around, you know, M&A? I think uh, generally it depends upon who people believe are going to, you know, is going to be the next president and what the and what the atmosphere will be like. So I think there. I think it's too early to uh, to predict what the impact is going to be, and whether it's right or wrong. And again, I I'm, I'm like you. I don't want to be political about it. Um, Biden is is not viewed positively in terms of the economy. And I think if it becomes clear at some point in the year that he's more likely than not to win. I, I think that it's we're not it's not going to have the same positive impact. Yeah, that totally of makes somebody sense. who's you know <clears throat> quote unquote pro business. Yeah, um, you know coming into that position. Whether you, I, I'm hesitant to say anything to even mention the man's name. Right. But you know when when Trump came into office originally, he was viewed as very pro business, and as a result, 
um, there was a um, there was a, a, a general feeling of um, happiness is way too strong, right? But a general optimism. sense of optimism, <clears throat> yeah. for um, you know for the economy and for the M and A market and things like that. Yeah, you know, I asked that question because typically, you know, from a consumer retail spending perspective and not not necessarily early in the year but as the election starts to come close i'll say you know back half post back to school september october you know people tend to be a lot more conservative from a brick and mortar retail perspective they kind of hang wait to see what happens but generally it doesn't matter who gets elected typically i would think it's going to be a good holiday season next year just because you know, people can take a sigh of relief and at least have some level of, I know what to expect the next four years. When you actually do the math of what changes and what impact one person can have, you know, the the president, whoever it is, it tends to be fairly nominal. Right. From an, I agree from with the, you. From the economic perspective, at least, because there's still checks and balances yep. that have to be dealt with. So it's um it's it's fascinating to see people reacting and making decisions out of out of optimism or caution based upon what they think is going to happen when in reality you know the fact is that that it's not it's not a dramatic impact one way or the other generally yeah well interesting <clears throat> so you know i i'm thinking about you know all the changes or kind of what's evolved in the car wash industry this past year and you know, thinking back to the show in May last year and from a, a technology standpoint, I think there's been, you know, a significant number of new players that have come in in terms of, you know, enhancing technology. Any thoughts on from you? I mean, I have some, which I'm happy to share, but thoughts from your perspective on, you know, what we can see in the car wash industry from a macro perspective? So I think there are a few things going on. And the the first one is there is true saturation in some markets and approaching saturation in other markets. I mean, I, I do business anywhere across the country and, and we've, we've run into some, some very small towns where somebody has come to us wanting to sell their wash. And it turns out that there are two competing national chains within two or three miles of a place that never would have had, well, one car wash, much less three car washes. Um, so I think that I think that the playing field has changed completely. And I think that that change is going to, it, it's gonna, it has to lower expectations ultimately of profitability of the individual site. I do believe that car washing is a very local phenomenon and I think that's what we have found out, that you actually build customers by building car washes mm-hmm. um, as long as they're done in, in a responsible and appropriate way. And I think we're, we're reaching the point, though, where there are a number of washes that are no longer being built in a responsible and appropriate way, and they are truly causing damage to neighboring washes. And I, I think that's a... I think that's a theme we have to keep our eye on because the expectation of return, when, if you look two years ago or three years ago, it cost $5 million to build a car wash. And, you know, you could expect anywhere from half a million to a million dollars of EBITDA. And it was a five to 10 year return. It was a, you know, it was a very, it was pretty, you know, crank them out kind of situation. Well, car washes cost between six and $8 million to build now. And with the competition that there is, 
you could argue that the the long term potential for for realizing those those cash flow returns have gone down. So in theory, what that means is that the bar should go up in terms of the sites that you're willing to 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 acquire to to do transactions. And we haven't seen that. Yeah, we've seen a, a, it's still a little bit of a land grab feel, mm. and um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, it's interesting. So you know, the top fifty list came out like it does every year in 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 uh, December. Really, not a lot of jockeying in terms of you know the top fifteen. Uh, really, I mean, store count grew, but I don't think it was where people thought that store count was going to be, you know, mid 2022 into 2023. I right. think it's it was much lower, you know, in aggregate, but it wasn't a lot of changing. I think, uh, you know, I know the answer to this question, but, you know, it's really what is the percentage of, you know, car washes in this country that are really owned by corporations or, you know, larger orgs? It's still a lot of single, you know operator units out there and so i guess you know if you're giving advice as they look into 2024 to you know that smaller operator who maybe may or may not be thinking about putting their business up for sale what would you say to them it's it's a it's a great question but it's such a broad question yeah because you know are we talking about conveyor you know a, a true express with free vacuums and the and the whole shoot and match because I, I feel like the percentage of those that are owned by the top 30 is much higher than the percentage of car washes generally. Um, you know, Interesting the, differentiation. The, the full service wash is uh, just generally speaking, the private equity funds don't, don't go after them because of the labor element that's, that's required. Yep. The, you know, the in-bay automatics, the self-serves, the, you know, the, the older cinder block washes that, you know, that people that are all over the country. Um, those are probably mom and pops and probably are going to stay mom and pops. I think, I think the days, and I am talking myself out of business here, potentially. No, we don't want you to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah, (laughs) I need it. I, I really do. Um, I think the days of someone coming in, buying a big chain and, you know, tripling or quadrupling and making, you know, making another two or 300 um, wash chain, I think it's much, much harder now mm-hmm. um, than it was two or three years ago. Sure. I, I think there's less opportunity. So what do I say to the, to the mom and pop? I say to the mom and pop, you know, if you've got a defensible piece of real estate um, that for whatever reason, the town doesn't want another car wash, you know, keep, keep cranking because that's going to be, you know, that's going to be smart and that's going to work. Um, if you have a tremendous wash that has a, I don't want to say gimmick because that sounds negative, but, but has a hook, has a reason for people to use. It's got, I mean, the culture of it is such that, you know, it's a real community oriented place and people are going to go there over um, one of the larger chains because, you know, because they always have. Right. I, you know, you you know, keep, Keep cranking along. Um, I think if you are in a town where you've seen three different big chains move in that and all within you know a mile of you, you've seen your revenue go down and it's not going back up because they probably offer a better service. So I think for for some of those mom and pops, they need to be afraid. They need to be like, okay, let me give some serious thought to how I maximize value here. 
And maybe it is simply selling my land. Mm. Um, maybe it is spending a million and a half or two million bucks to upgrade my wash. Or maybe it's flat out selling my wash. Yeah. Um, I, and so I do think that it's, there's, no, it's, there's no one answer for everybody. It really depends upon the circumstances. Um, but, you know, we're called a lot by, by one-off car washes. And some of them are eminently saleable because there are people who want to get into those markets and others struggle because they're surrounded by very strong competitors. Ironically, it's harder. Sometimes it's harder to sell a car wash that's doing a million and a half of EBITDA um, because there's there's no room for the for the buyer to go. So they're gonna they're gonna top tick the market in terms of what they pay, right. and then what are they gonna do with it? Right. It's not it's it's not gonna get better. So it's um you know there are all kinds of small market forces at work. So. You know, again, not to sound ridiculously self-serving, but talking to somebody like us um, who can, you know, cut through some of that, some of that yeah. you know, underbrush yeah. and, and give you a, an honest sense for what the business is worth is, is probably time well spent. It's, um, it's, it's, gotten, it's gotten complex. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the questions that, that was came, a really long answer. It was, I'm but sorry. it was good. No, um, and one of the questions that came up when you spoke at the at the the car wash show, you know, was around um, Circle K and um, and Quick Trip getting into you know the express business, and you know, really haven't seen a whole lot of um, you know initial impact in terms of that expansion. Are you hearing anything? or thoughts of what could potentially happen in 2024 around there's, that? There's money out there with those folks to do it, and frankly, I'm surprised they haven't. Yeah. When, you think about, when you think about what a competitive advantage they have, particularly, I don't want to say Quick Trip over um, Circle K, but when I look at the Quick Trips that are built here, they're huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you could put a car wash in, you know, in the corner of the parking lot. You'd never even know. Right. Um, it's... I, I am truly surprised that they have not uh, gone after that. And maybe they're, maybe they're being a little more conservative and are looking at it from growing organically. Mm-hmm. Um, because growing, putting a, a Circle K banner on a car wash that's 10 miles from the nearest Circle K, I'm not sure what their you know, inherent advantage is there. Right. Um, but for the ones where they can co-locate or, you know, share employees potentially or um, share promotions between the two organizations. Yeah. I mean, it just makes so much sense. And I think they're trying to get it right and they're yeah. probably taking their time and figuring it out. And honestly, um, there's no huge rush. We're not going to see valuations, you know, uh, double right. anytime in the near future. Yeah. So, uh, but I am, I, I, honestly would have anticipated more activity on that front. Oh, interesting. You know, I, I'm going to switch gears and just spend a couple minutes just sharing my thoughts around, you know, what I think is going to happen related to um, some things uh, around technology and and uh, how I, I think things are going to happen this year. It was really interesting. There was quite a few new players coming to the market. We've had some of them on the show uh, to talk <clears throat> over the last year or so. And I think that's going to continue um, into 2024 because I think there's a real need out there for a car wash operator, small or large, 
to continue to be or try to be at the forefront from a technology standpoint, whether it's, you know, getting data or how we're servicing the consumer. And I think, you know, what's going to end up ultimately happening um, is, you know, there's going to be a new player that's going to come into the point of sale market here that's going to offer something different than what the traditional ones do. And it could very well be you know, somebody that's already out there right now that's, you know, working on enhancing that technology. But I think there's a real need, um, you know, to really serve at a different level in the 21st century around that. Could it be a, um, well, first of all, what kind of, what kind of functionality do you think this, this new entrant would offer that isn't in the market now? And I'm not, I'm not, Asking you to bash, you know, the no, I listen, you know, um, you know, I think there's a high level of frustration out there, whether regardless of which traditional point of sale, you know, um, uh, service that you use. And I don't want to make a categorical statement, but I think that what (laughs) we're all about uh, categories are, that's true. But, you know, I, I, I think I think where we are is, is that we we want to be moving a lot faster. Um, and I think that there's, um, you know, a lot of the point of sale systems were built, you know, to support single um, operators, one or two. And I know that, you know, at least one of the big one, big companies is working on, you know, changing that so that they can really have more of an enterprise function so that it's easier, you know, not just to set up promotions, um, but to have the ability to be able to service customers in a different way um, to make the, the experience a, a better one. Um, and I think there's technology that could be developed that can help that. Um, uh, but we'll see. I, Is there a more efficient way out there in the future to sign up members? Well, I mean, you know, I think uh, I just saw on LinkedIn the other day, um, you know, there's a there's a company out there that that, you know, helps organizations with, um, you know, their payment processing um, through their their service. And I'm not I'm not plugging for anybody um, when it comes to that. But, you know, their LinkedIn clip was about how to drive, you know, web sales. Um, and I think that's something that pe- a lot of people are thinking about, you know, and, and what is it that we can do, you know, to um, uh, capture a customer so that they don't necessarily have to talk to somebody at, uh, you know, at the point of sale. Um, so I think, you know, there could be some movement and, and people are trying to figure out what that potentially looks like. Uh, you know, I think in, in, in aggregate in general, um, I just read a, uh, an article that was put out by Nielsen, you know, the Nielsen mm-hmm. company um, about uh, um, aver- the state of advertising and, and what uh, companies, how companies view how they're spending their marketing budgets. And, you know, the, the large theme is people are spending money on the digital side, which is, you know, OTT and streaming and digital displays and those kinds of things. Um, but still trying to figure that market out itself and how do you really prove out a return on an investment? And I think a lot of that's going to be around how do you <clears throat> get those consumers to either, you know, get, go directly to your website or how do you, you know, provide the attribution to show that, yes, they, they actually did turn into a customer or, or ultimately, um, crossed my, my lease line and used my services. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that are thinking about those kinds of things. Um, uh, you know, and, and then I think there's just tools that we can provide potentially, 
you know, at the site just to make it a, a you know, a better experience. How do you, how do you, um, uh, create an experience for a consumer that really want, they, they want to come in, um, and enjoy it. And people love to get their car washed. I mean, I may, I may have said this on a uh, previous one, but the last ICA research was, is, you know, 80% of the people who get their car washed, don't get their car washed because their car is dirty. They get their car washed because it makes them feel good. And so, you know, if you think about that, you know, how do you make them feel even better? when they come to your car wash, you know? So um, that's where I think, you know, um, uh, people are probably thinking about right now. Is there a, is there a future for uh, the car wash itself improving? Is there a, a are, are there places where less water can be used, where you get a cleaner car, where you get a drier car? I mean, look, I, other than Superstar, of course, um, Thank you. I've I've uh, been through a number of car washes where my car comes out wet. Yeah, and it's like, well, wait a second. I just paid twenty bucks, and you know, because I always I'm a sucker. I always buy the top one. Yeah, and um, my car's wet. Yeah, and uh, it's going to streak. So why, um, you know, w- w- what's going to happen there? What's what's going to happen in terms of technology in in that end? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, and you know, I, I think that's the challenge that you know the the those manufacturers have on their plate right now to figure out how they can help um, car wash operators. You know, do uh, wash a better car uh, for sure. Um, I do think that there are things that you're seeing potentially in tunnels just to make that experience a little bit better. I was at one of our competitors um, uh, last week, and they put up big um, in front of their entry arch. Uh, a big digital um, video, like a big square. And it was really cool, actually. I was very impressed that, you know, they had a bunch of messaging and they had it Santa on a sleigh. And it was just, it was it was more an experiential piece. I mean, I don't know what the cost of putting one of those in and what's the return on the investment on those kinds of things. And, you know, five years ago in the car wash industry, there was one or two people that were doing these Halloween, you know, right. scary tunnels. And now you got, you know, I mean, everybody's but, but doing you, them. But think, is that really going to drive somebody to a car? Like, that's yeah. the question that you got to ask yourself. Like, am I going to go there because they might have, might have, you know, a skeleton hanging from, you know, the entry arch? Is that a differentiate? I, I don't know. Maybe if you got a kid in the car. Well, that's, that's really what it comes down to is, you know, is, you know, it, it, who is with you? Right. You know, um, and I, I also think it's interesting when you think of the things you're saying, I think are right on point. And there's when you have private equity owned big organizations, there's a deeper understanding of the of the need of, for data and of the, the use of data and money to um, invest in methods of gathering and effectively using data. It's. The market is going to, you couldn't be more right. I think the market's going to evolve because there's just more money out there yeah. to, to pay for it. Yeah, no, I, 100%. And I think, you know, the other thing, which is we could do a whole other show on is, is you know, what's the impact of AI going to be? And, um, you know, whether it's in data, how you're looking at, you know, your consumer or how do you use AI to enhance you know, the customer experience. And that that's a topic for another show. Maybe we'll get an actual expert in here wow. who understands AI. Yeah, my daughter back. That would be good. Yeah. yeah. Does she, is she on the, the AI side as well? Um, she uses AI and what okay. she does. All right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Maybe we will have your daughter back. Well, George, it's been a lot of fun. I think 2024 is going to be an exciting year. We'll see how it uh, shakes itself out. 
Um, it's good to have you back in the studio. And you know, now you know what time it is. It's our very first <laughs> 2024 um, fatherly advice sponsored by Welcome Matt. Um, what advice do you have for our audience today? Well, I have two because one I stole from our conversation you earlier did today, steal which that. is brilliant. Yeah, you did um, steal that. Neither of us go out on New Year's Eve because it's amateur hour. That's right. And um, let that be good advice to those people. It's um, nobody on the road should be on the road on New Year's Eve and stay home or, well, stay home. Stay home. Stay home. Just stay home. That's just better. Stay home with just, friends. Just stay yeah. home. Go get your car washed and then stay home. That's, that's what you should do on New Year's Eve. And uh, my second piece of advice is, um, you know, it, in dealing with both my kids being of an age where they're kind of deciding what they want to do with their lives and recognizing the importance of, of making a, a good salary and, and having the luxuries of life or the importance of um, loving what you do. Uh, the old adage of, you know, do what you love and the money will come is rot. It is, <laughs> it is utterly untrue. I don't care how much you love being a teacher, it's never going to lead to, you know, tremendous wealth. Right. Um, but you're going to be happier regardless of how much money you have than you would ever be doing something you don't like. Mm -hmm. I am, um, when I graduate, I'm going to like tell you secrets about myself. Okay. When I graduated business school in 1995, I'd been in the Navy for six years and uh, I graduated and there were two choices. You be, you became a consultant or you became an investment banker. And I kind of mindlessly went into being an investment banker. Um, and there are elements of this job I love, um, but there are also elements that I'm not passionate about. And I look at my daughter and how fortunate she was to find something she's so excited about. My son started as a, uh, as a business major and, you know, came to the same realization, like, like dad's messed up. And, uh, <laughs> I love it. And uh, I want to do what I love. And he became an engineering and computer, or electrical and computer engineering student. And we just won't say be where an he engineer. goes to, We won't talk about where he goes to school, but that's, that's another story. <laughs> and um, he, uh, he's going to do what he loves. I mean, he loves building computers and stuff and circuits. And, and you know, ultimately, I think they'll both do fine financially. Um, but maybe they've left some money on the table, but I'm so proud of that. That's awesome. I think that's, I, I think the advice is so right, but I think the, just the blind expectation that the money will follow is garbage. Yeah. That, that's very, very good advice. And I'm just going to expand on, on the first one that you, you shared about don't go out on New Year's. So I, oh, I, I didn't know you were going to, I wouldn't have stolen that's okay. it. It's all good. Um, you didn't uh, tell me that's okay. I should have, you're right. I did not <laughs> tell you that. Um, there's three days a year. I do not like going out. I, I, you know, like being out. I don't like being out on Halloween cause I just think people are crazy. I don't like being out on St. Patrick's day primarily because when I graduated from college, I lived in New York city and my, uh, my studio apartment was the abetting wall was to an Irish pub. And so I just don't like being out on, on St. Patrick's day and new year's Eve is one. We've never been real big new year's Eve people. And so, but this year I have a 16 year old daughter, my youngest who's driving for the, you know, the first time and wants to go out on new year's Eve and go to a friend's house. And you know, what time are you going to come? She says, dad, what time do I need to be home? I said, 10 30. 
And she goes, 1030? What are you talking about? I'm like, I don't want you out. You know, there's like, in my mind, it's like between 11 and 1 is like the worst 10 time. 10 to, o'clock is, you know, is New York it, it, City, is, New Year's right, Eve yeah, that's, here. That's true. I mean, that's, come on, the that, ball drops, that, it's New Year's. That is very true. So she says, 1030. I said, well, if you want to stay out any later than that, then, you know, somebody's going to have to drive you. So my wife says, all right, I'll drive her. Because I wasn't going out. And you, <laughs> normally I would. And my wife's probably still mad at me for that. So uh, the, the long story short is my wife goes, picks up my daughter at, at the party. She pulls into the house at 1235. At 1240, at the, right behind my house is a four-way stop. Three-car accident, teenagers driving um, uh, inebriated on New Year's Eve. And so... It was a good lesson for me to say my tell my daughter, see, this is why dad says you don't go out on New Year's Eve. Lucky for you, you were five minutes early. Not so lucky for them. That's correct. That is absolutely right. The flip side is my daughter's boyfriend left the house at 1238. My other daughter's boyfriend left the house at 1238. And when, when my wife said, did you hear the accident? And I said, I hope it wasn't Evan. And sure enough, he had just missed it so that was really good so there's our fatherly advice you don't have to take mine till next new year's eve but <laughs> <laughs> no that's not true you got a uh, saint patrick's that's right saint patrick's day is coming exactly up. george it's been great to see you i think we're gonna have a great slate of guests this year we're, we're trying to line up some um uh some engaging um guests to come on board and really hopefully help uh make a difference for you our listener and we do want to just say thank you for 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 uh listening this past year and george it's always been a pleasure it has you know i'd love for some people to give us their ideas of what that they'd would like be to great hear about yeah is there do we have a, a yeah. method for that we actually um we do so people can find me on linkedin um, and they can just send me a message, uh, probably connected with a lot of folks. But if you have an idea for a show or you're interested in being a guest, just message me on LinkedIn and we'll see what we can do. I mean, you generally won't want to be a guest because we will mock you. That is true. And you got to come with at least some advice too. There it right? is. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, everybody have a great week. Thanks for joining us on Car Wash Confessions with the Wash Boys. Are you ready to accelerate your business by capturing more membership at-bats? Introducing Welcome Mat, the nation's leading car wash digital marketing platform. Say goodbye to empty lanes and hello to a steady stream of new potential members. Welcome Mat's sophisticated digital targeting helps you drive more at-bats by reaching highly likely car wash members who live by or commute by any of your locations. The Welcome Mat marketing platform provides real-time results of each campaign by connecting to your car wash POS and captures customer data for ongoing digital retargeting for membership conversion. Don't miss out on this opportunity to revolutionize your car wash business. Try our leading car wash digital marketing platform today. Drive success, grow membership. Contact us now for a free demo at welcomemat.com.